Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to go a few places today in the scriptures, so some of them I might even know. Let's start in Acts chapter 1. This one's not on the screen, Cooper. Did not have this one planned. I want to read this. I mentioned this last week. I just want to read this testimony to encourage you. Uh, Is this on, God? We good? Can you hear me? Miss Dorothy, can you hear me? Okay. It needs to be turned up, guys. A little quiet. Thank you, Jesus. Testing one, two. Oh, there we go. A little more microphone there. Thank you. Okay. Last week, I was telling you about a a testimony about uh, Pastor Mark Batterson, who pastors in Washington, D.C., Um, and about how he was healed of asthma. But what I want to do is I want to read a little bit of that story uh, about his testimony, just to encourage you. And it says this, um, My very first childhood memory is of a middle-of-the-night asthma attack, followed by a frantic trip to the emergency room for a shot of a, a penifrine. That routine was repeated more times than I can remember. There weren't weren't 40 days in 40 years that I did not need to take a puff of my albuterol inhaler. inhaler, Forgive me for those of you that I'm butchering the medical terms here. And I never went anywhere without it. Never, ever. Then I prayed my bravest prayer. And I haven't taken a single puff of of an inhaler from that day to this day, which has now been four years. That's why I literally count the days, because each day is more miraculous than the past. And he says, this is the bravest prayer he ever prayed. In other words, the bravest prayer you ever prayed is the prayer you prayed before, but you haven't seen the answer to yet. So over the span of 40 years, he says, I must have prayed hundreds of times that God would heal my asthma. But for reasons known only to him, those prayers went unanswered. Or I didn't see the answer. Why did I keep praying? The short answer is one whisper. So this is his story. Right before my freshman year of high school, he says, I was hospitalized for a severe asthma attack that landed me in the intensive care unit. It was one of a dozen such hospitalizations during my younger years. When I was released from Edwards Hospital a week later, later, Pastor Paul McGarvey and a prayer team from Calvary Church in Illinois came over to my house, laid hands on me, and prayed that God would heal my asthma. God answered that prayer for healing, but not in the way I expected. When I woke up the next morning, I still had asthma, but all the warts on my feet had mysteriously disappeared. I'm not kidding. At first... I wondered if God had made a mistake. Maybe the signals between here and heaven were mixed. I couldn't help but wonder if someone somewhere was breathing great but still had warts on his or her feet. I was a little confused. But that's when I heard the still, small voice. It wasn't an audible voice. It was spirit to spirit. And it was loud and clear. Mark, I just wanted you to know 
that I'm able. All these decades later, it still sends a chill down my spine. I was 14 years old, and it was the first time I heard God's whisper. Was I disappointed that he hadn't answered my prayer the way I wanted to? Of course I was. But those two words echoed for three decades. I'm able. And he's not just able, he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And he says, without that whisper, I'm not sure I would have had the faith to pray the bravest prayer. And if I hadn't prayed that prayer, how could God answer it? After all, God doesn't answer 100% of the prayers we don't pray. (laughs) You get that? That's what he says that phrase all the time. God doesn't answer 100% of the prayers we don't pray. So I want to encourage you that no matter whether you're feeling good today or as many are maybe feeling, feeling challenged today, whether that has to do with our country or just your personal situation. I mean, uh, some people are like, I'm not worried about no election. I got, all, I got, a big, I got bigger problems in my life, right? <laughs> I'm not worried about who the president is. Uh, boy, that really... Uh, I was watching a prophetic uh, person on, on YouTube. You know, there's been lots of prophecies about elections, and, you know, it's always very fascinating because somebody did ask me, you know, well, what, I heard a prophecy that this person was going to win. What happens if, should I quit listening to that person if that doesn't happen? I said, well, depends on how they respond. Are they humble and say, well, maybe I missed it? Then, hey, still listen to them because you know what? Sometimes we miss it. Uh, if they have to make excuses and go into all this mumbo jumbo to, to confuse like, hey, I was right, but, you know, you're wrong, then you know what? I, I don't need to hear you anymore. But I was watching a different person on YouTube, just random, really, just random click. Uh, Not a good idea normally, (laughs) right? You know, YouTube tells you now, after you've watched a bunch of stuff, it tells you what it thinks you'll like. Uh, It, it, you know, based on your viewing history, I guess, or something. Most of my viewing history is like worship music, like turn on Upper Room and just... Let it play through Upper Room, Bethel, and back to Upper Room, and IHOP, and just it just jumps to all those things. Uh, and so I, I clicked on, the, on this thing, and it was something about my, I was wrong about my election prophecy. I was like, what is this guy saying? This curious. And his election prophecy was this. He asked God about the election, and uh, God says, I don't really care that much about that. He said, I care about that you know me. That I don't change. That the gospel doesn't change. That your mission doesn't change. That my love for you doesn't change. And so, no matter what, in any election, you know what? In our nation right now, there's 50% of the people that are going to be happy and 50% of the people that are going to be mad and fearful. Didn't matter who's going to win. We're stuck with, with two sides right now. That's part of the problem, but that's, I won't go too, too long on that. But uh, when you're stuck with only two sides, one side's always going to be mad and fearful, and the other side's going to be happy, and then it's going to switch back to the other side, and we're going to be in a cycle for, 
for this time. That's why we don't want to put our trust in those things. And so if your peace was stolen this week, guess what? Your peace was in the wrong place. If your happiness was stolen, then perhaps there's an idol in your life. My wife's not here today. I'm being care- trying to be careful. Felicia, do something to me if I'm, <laughs> if I'm going to get stoned or something here. And I don't mean getting high. I mean you go throwing rocks at me. <laughs> Thank you. Is my wife still watching? Hey, babe, text me if you're watching this right now, okay? <laughs> Comment. Oh, is this like the first time Ashley's been home? She got to watch online or something? I think it's kind of fun. So I'm just having a good time with it. So, you know, just God likes to, God likes to shake things up, right? I mean, if God didn't like to shake things up, 2020 wouldn't exist. He would have just said, let's skip to 2021. We're not even going to 2020, right? Uh, but, I, I mean, you know, I think God's just stripping away some of our idols. She's watching. <laughs> I love you, babe. <laughs> uh, she said, you're the best preacher I've ever seen. <laughs> no, she, didn't. She, didn't. she didn't say that. <laughs> okay. You know, perhaps God's taken down some of our idols, you know. He's taking down the idol of comfort, taking down the idol of ease, taking down the idol of convenience, taking the, down the idol of security. Uh, maybe, you know, he wants to take down the idol of your dependence upon what the government's doing, whether it's good or bad, being so focused on it. You know, I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to, to tear down some of our idols. You know, I mean, you, I mean, that's how you know it's an idol when, when it's torn down and you're upset is you know it's an idol, right? When Gideon, well, in the Judges chapter 6, we're really off the notes now. Judges chapter 6, Gideon, it says that during the night that he tore down the altar of Baal because he was scared to do it during the day and he tore down all these false gods and the worship of them and all the people the next morning were all upset. They're like, oh, you tore down the altar, you tore down the idol, what are we going to do now? So whenever you have your idols torn down, you get a little bit upset. You get a little bit, you know, out of a place of of peace. And so Jesus kind of addresses that here in Acts chapter 1. So this is what I want to start with today, and we'll see where we get on, on this. But it says this in verse 3, After his suffering... Uh, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So very important. I mean, Jesus is saying, look, this is one of Jesus's last words. And he says, look, this is what's going to happen. Here's this is important. I mean, Jesus wasn't wasting time with his final words on earth. He's saying this is important. 
In a few days, you need to wait in Jerusalem till you receive the gift. If you don't get this gift, then this you're going to miss out on everything that I was here for, basically. Then they gather around him and ask, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? <clears throat> Jesus, may, I don't know if Jesus ever felt like a failure. I don't know if that's possible for the Son of God to feel that, but <laughs> I would have felt like it right in this moment. Because basically Jesus, for three plus years, has been telling these guys, my kingdom is not of this world. Don't trust in, you know, you know, it's not about this. I'm going to lay down my life. And, you know, and, and he has just said, wait for the gift in Jerusalem. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they say, is it time now for us to set up our government and we're going to be in charge and we're going to get rid of the Romans and everything's going to be great on the earth because you're going to set up your kingdom in Israel? And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father is set by his own authority. In other words, there's some things you don't need to know about. There's some things I'm not going to tell you about. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Well, because Jesus just went up in the cloud, man. (laughs) And we're like, oh, I don't know what to do now. I guess that's your answer, Lord. Are you going to establish your kingdom right now? Bye. (laughs) See you later. Huh? Is he going to come right back? Or, I mean, it's, (laughs) I mean, don't you think they were thinking like, yeah, like it's just like, you know, boom, then you come back down. You're like, so you can change clothes, dress differently or something, you know, (laughs) get the robe on, the crown, come back down. He's like, yeah, I am coming back down with the crown and in the robe and on the horse and all that stuff, but it's like, not yet. <laughs> and they say, he's, they said, this same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. And then they waited for 10 days. And then it's, we're a spirit-filled church, if you're a guest. We are a spirit-filled church. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that He baptizes you and gives you gifts, including speaking in tongues, unknown languages. We believe in miracles. We believe in, in prophetic words. We believe that God is, is still revealing things as long as they line up with the Word of God, as long as they don't contradict what God has already said and already written and already doing, that the Holy Spirit does amazing things. But one of the most amazing things He does is He makes us witnesses. He said, this is the reason you're full of the Holy Spirit, to be my witness. And it's just like this guy was saying on YouTube, the God's main call on His people does not change when there's a pandemic 
does not change when their government changes, does not change when the president changes, does not change whether they have freedoms or don't have freedoms, that their mission and their calling and their power is still the same. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And he says some very specific places. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. This is your hometown. In other words, you're called to reach your hometown. We're called to reach Midland, Texas, or if you happen to live in Odessa, Odessa, Texas. Whatever town you live in, whatever city you live in, God says, you are my witness, whether you're moving or not. Still believe, you know, you still change, right? Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Whether, you know, whether you, whether you go or stay, whether God keeps you in Midland for the rest of your life and you don't like it, or you do like it, you are a witness to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're a witness to your hometown. Your life is a testimony of who Jesus is and what He's done for people. This is what's important. This is the last thing Jesus said before he left the earth. It said right after he said this, he went straight to heaven. In other parts of the Bible, we know that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and is waiting for all his enemies to be put under his feet. And then one day he'll get off of that throne and he'll come back on the white horse, on a great white horse, the king will come riding. He's the one they call faithful and true with an army of heaven beside him. And on his name is written, uh, his name is the word of God. A sword comes from his mouth. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. And he's going to make all things right. You know, in this life, we may not have all things be made right. I mean, Jesus doesn't promise that. I mean, God doesn't, right? He doesn't say, I'm unaware of it in the Bible. You can correct me if I'm wrong. If you show it to me in the Bible, I will say I'm wrong. But there's no way that God says everything's going to be all good and everything's going to be made right uh, in this lifetime. But in eternity, everything will be made right. Every wrong that's been done will be taken care of and either put under the blood of Jesus or will be punished forever. So if you've been wronged in this life and you don't ever see the breakthrough in these short years that you're on earth, just know that God has already taken care of that. He will make all things right. It says he'll wipe away every tear. You know, sometimes we're, you know, we have tears in our life just because of the, the pain that happened or something that happened that we can't, we have no control over. I mean, don't, isn't that really what we're upset about is that we don't have control over things? <laughs> Am I only preaching to Amanda today? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what we get mad about? Isn't that when we get angry and fearful? Is mostly when something is out of our control. You know, we're frantically trying to control, you know, our family situations. We're frantically trying to control our work situation. We want to control the oil field and make sure, man, it doesn't, what if, what if this? What if it tanks? What if it's, what if it's totally shut down? What if it doesn't exist? And, well, whatever. 
All those questions, it's like, the reason we're upset about that is because we're not in control of that. We can't flip a switch and say, I will not let that happen. (laughs) But what I can make happen is this. I can say, Jesus, my eyes are fixed upon you. And I'm going to be your witness in my hometown until you come back. And I'm going to do it not in my own strength. I'm going to do it in the power that the Holy Spirit gives me. That the Holy, just as, man, wasn't that a powerful word that Dave, Dave released to us? Like, this is a time where God is releasing strength and power and boldness. Man, these disciples, before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they were a bunch of losers. Did you shut it off yet, babe? (laughs) They're a bunch of losers. I mean, these guys are like, can you imagine, you know, if you were walking with Jesus and he says, I'm going to pick out the 12 star guys that are going to, they're going to change the world. And he starts going and picking all these guys. And if you were with him, you would have been like, oh man, (laughs) this is, this is rough. This is, this is going to be bad. (laughs) That guy. Oh, man, that guy. Oh, yeah, you got a couple of Jameses there. Let's get two, just in case one doesn't work out, right? (laughs) A couple of Simons. I can change one of their names to Peter, and then we still got a Simon and Peter, you know. Not sure which one's going to be better than the other. One's a zealot, and one acts like a zealot. (laughs) But after the Holy Spirit came upon these guys... Everything changed. They suddenly became the witnesses of Jesus. Suddenly, all the things that Jesus was doing, they were doing, and they were not just trying to cover their own skin. Like when Jesus was arrested, how many disciples didn't run? Zero. I mean, they're all like, Jesus is arrested. They're like, peace out, man. <laughs> That was a good ride, Jesus. I mean, you are the Son of God, so hopefully you can handle this situation, but we're out of here. (laughs) Like an hour before, Jesus said, you're all going to desert me. They said, no, we're not going to do it. Peter said, even if I have to die for you. They show up with the soldiers and the weapons. They shake them around a little bit. They hit the shields with the swords. And, you know, Peter tries to wave a sword, and then Jesus heals the guy that he... Cuts the ear off of, right? And then puts it back on. So Peter's like, well, I guess I don't not need it here. So he runs. He just takes off. I mean, he, he follows closely behind. But, you know, I mean, this is, these are the people that change the world. And then there's a little girl who comes to him. He's serving the food. One of the lowest servants says, where's you with Jesus? And he's too scared to even tell her, yes, I was with Jesus. But after the Holy Spirit baptizes Peter... He stands up on the day of Pentecost and he's boldly preaching. He shows up in the temple and they heal a guy that's been lame from from birth. And there's a great miracle and they're arrested and they're beaten. And he says, guess what? I'm going to keep talking about Jesus. It doesn't matter what you do to me. That's a transformation right there. I don't know what these other notes are for, but... uh, (coughs) 
He also says, you'll be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria. It's interesting that Jesus mentioned Samaria, right? We all know, uh, well, not, maybe not assume we all know. But if you did not know, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Like, it's, like Jesus threw in Samaria. It's like he threw it in like they would have known like, oh man, Jesus. <laughs> not those people. I don't want to associate with those people. I don't want to go to that side of town. I don't want to go with those, those people. They voted for this person. <laughs> How can we associate with them? They're evil. <laughs> They're terrible. And Jesus says, no, you're, you're my witnesses. You're my witnesses to the people across that have the other view, to the people who are totally opposed to what you believe, to the people who think you're wrong and you think they're wrong. You're my witnesses. But you're going to have the Holy Spirit empowering you to be a witness. Because there's only one thing that's going to bring people together. That's Jesus. I mean, I know the church has gotten messed up. I know that we, we argue about things too in the church. But the, the only hope we have is for us to come together under Jesus. That Jesus is the only one that's going to bring change. His kingdom is the only thing that matters here on earth. Eternity is what really matters, not this temporary time period. And Jesus is getting our focus back on eternity. He's been doing it all year. He's been doing it all year. He's been taking things away. I'm not saying God's in control and doing all this. God is in control. I get that. But it doesn't mean that he's pulling the string on every good or bad thing that happens. He's just in charge of the whole, you know, how it's all going to work out in time. Don't want to get too far in that situation either. Ashley, text me. Do something. (laughs) But Jesus says, you're going to be my witness in Samaria. I mean, the Samaritans were like, I don't know how to, you know, they were the, they were the, the half-breeds. There was, there was a cultural, ethnic, and religious hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. And Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses in Samaria. How could they be a witness in Samaria unless they loved those people? Well, Jesus was going to baptize them in his love. I mean, didn't you notice it's interesting that Jesus all through, he always was shown up. He just wanted to mess up people's paradigms, right? Jesus shows up at this woman at the well in John chapter 4. And he says, look, we're going to go through Samaria. I mean, and some of the disciples even said, God, Jesus, there's a shorter route. You know, like, why are we going the long way? And he didn't say anything. That's how you know that God says no is he doesn't answer sometimes. You ask him something and he just, there's silence. God, what do you think about this? Look, we're going to Samaria. Wait, there's a shorter route, Jesus. He's like, when I get there, you're going to go shopping for food because I'm getting hungry. And I need to have an encounter with a woman who's going to show up at the well at midday when nobody's supposed to come to the well, but I'm going to be at the well because I know she's coming and I'm going to change her life and she's going to change this region because she's going to know me and I'm going to transform her life and once her life is transformed, she will be a witness to this entire region. But the disciples still, it says they went through, you know, some of the 
times they went through and they were rejected. And James and John, the sons of thunders, said, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire on this city and let it be destroyed? And Jesus is like, what? What are you talking about? Jesus came to, came to seek and save that which was lost. So if someone or something is lost, he wants to find them. He wants that it to be found. He's, God is biased. He is biased. You're like, shoot. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. Now, here's the great thing, is if we're part of the 99, now he says, guess what? I'm, you know, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. At the end of John, chapter 20, the commission of Jesus, he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. So you're going to be my witnesses to people that are the polar opposite of you, that don't fit in with you culturally, economically, Maybe with your taste, with your politics, with your upbringing, customs and cultures. I'm going to send you and you're going to be my witnesses. What does a witness do? They just, they tell what, they, what they've, they've seen and experienced. That's all a witness does. Is, you know, a witness just, you bring a witness to a, a court trial and we, the lawyer will ask them a question. What did you see? What did you hear? What happened to you in this situation that I'm asking you about? That's what a witness is. You just have to tell what you've seen of God, how you've experienced Him, and what He's done in your life. You're being a witness. Man, isn't it amazing if you look back on your life? For those of us that have walked with Jesus for a while, if you're new to walking with Jesus, get, you've got something great to look forward to where you can look back. You know, I've been... Trying to move out of a house, <laughs> that's a lot of work, right? <laughs> trying to get a house ready to sell and all that kind of stuff. Oh, man, uh, that is a lot of work. And we have a lot of J-U-N-K. <laughs> and so I was over working at the house by myself yesterday afternoon. And I'm listening to, you know, sometimes you just got to listen to some you know, 1980s Christian rock. I mean, it's just so good. Oh, my goodness. Petra, Idol, Cure. I mean, oh, it's uh, so awesome. Uh, and so I had that playing in my ears, you know, and, and I, it just took me back. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, this song came out like 30-plus years ago. And then I had the thought, I was, think, I was thinking about a song, I was saying, I was, I was 14, I was like, I was 14 when this, when this album came out. That was 30 years ago. And the thought I had was this, and I looked back at my life just really quickly, you know, it was just kind of like you, God taking you back, and I was like, well, there's a lot that's happened in my life, but there's also, like, not as much as I'd like to see. And I was kind of like, you know, Lord, in the next 30 years, I, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my time in the next 30 years where I wake up 30 years later and I know it goes quicker. 
I, I know, you know, the toilet paper roll is getting smaller and smaller, so it goes faster and faster as you get older, right? And so um, at some point, the roll is done. You have to replace it, <laughs> okay? You can thank Edie for that illustration. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we want to make our lives count. You know, there's only one way to make your life count. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes our lives count. What he does in our life. Yeah, suddenly I was gone. Now I'm back. I was. It's okay. It's just the boards. It's not God. It's the board. We're having some issues. Now, if we didn't have technical issues at church, what would we have? What would we have to do during the rest of the week? Okay. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, you know, with, with the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. You can say, man, I don't love those people across the other side of whatever aisle. Well, guess what? It's possible with the Holy Spirit. You just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You just need to have Him freshly fill your life with His love, with His power, with His grace. You know, it says there that uh, you also be witnesses to the ends of the earth. In other words, don't just stay in your nation. Don't just stay in your region. Don't just stay where you are. And that doesn't mean everybody has to become a missionary, but it just means you're a witness to the whole world. As a believer in Jesus, we're, we're, we have a world view. We are globalists in a certain way. I know that word's loaded, so <laughs> I'm using it on purpose. <laughs> We are globalists. We want the whole world to hear about Jesus. What did Jesus say? The end will not come until this gospel of the kingdom is preached in every nation. And every language to the ends of the earth. Now there's only one thing keeping Jesus from coming back. That's the church completing the mission from which it was assigned on day one. Bringing the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And so my encouragement to you today is this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's read that scripture. I got that one. Hebrews 12, Cooper. This is one that was, is in the notes. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author or the, does it say pioneer up there? The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the mission that Jesus has given us. I will be filled of the Spirit and I will be a witness 
and a testimony to the power of Jesus. I will live a life that honors Him. I will throw off the sin that tries to so easily entangle me. I will let my past go and I will step into the presence of God who anoints me with power and with love and with perspective and with special giftings so that I can be a witness, so that people can see Jesus, so that Jesus can come back for His bride. That we have the good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. James 1 says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We need to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. So everybody stand. We have our leaders. Leaders, if you want to come forward, we want to have time for prayer. I do want to pray a closing prayer. But if you need prayer for anything before you go, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never surrendered to Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, then you need to do that before you leave. That's the most important decision you can ever make. If you need healing in your body, if you have a situation in your family that you need prayer for, uh, don't leave without getting prayer from some of these leaders. Uh, but I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal, and then our leaders will come on up. And if you have a prayer, come quickly. Uh, and, and receive prayer. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for encouraging us. We just declare right now that we are going to be your witnesses, that we are receiving power through the Holy Spirit, God. And we, we just say, forgive us where we've looked for someone else to empower us other than the Holy Spirit. Whether we're looking for our situation to change in our family, whether we're looking to make more money in our job, whether we're looking to be more secure in, in this or that, Lord, forgive us, or we've looked for any other source than you, that you are the source of our power, you are the source of our future, you are the source of our peace, you are the source of our love, you are the source of our destiny and our calling and where we are headed, and so we, we refocus our eyes on Jesus. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are good. We thank you, Jesus, that you're not done either. That there's still work to do. That there's still Samaria's to reach. There's still Jerusalem's to reach. There's still the ends of the earth to reach. And you haven't finished yet. And so help us keep our eyes on you, Jesus, so that we know what we're supposed to be doing. So I just bless every single person in here with fresh perspective. Lord, whether they came in happy or sad, whether they came in joyful or fearful, Lord, whether they came in full of love or full of bitterness, God, I just declare right now a release of your presence, God, and your, and your peace right now upon every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. If you want to go to home group, see Mr. Mike.